Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Dr. Rachel Pessa Pollock, an endocrinologist and clinical associate professor at NYU Langone. I'm excited to discuss the connections between the cardio-renal metabolic systems. Joining me in today's discussion is my colleague, Dr. Peter McCulloch. Thank you, Rachel, and hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Peter McCullough, and I'm a cardiologist and vice chief of medicine at Baylor University Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. I'm very happy to join you for this important discussion. This podcast is supported by and made on behalf of Beringer Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals, Inc. and Lilly USA, LLC. Content discussed during this podcast has been reviewed for consistency with FDA guidelines and is not approved for continuing medical education credit. Today's discussion will focus on the cardio-renal metabolic systems and their interconnected nature. Throughout this presentation, you will hear us refer to these systems as the CRM systems. We will review the interconnected nature of the CRM systems and discuss how shared risk factors contribute to the development and progression of disorders in these systems. Let's get started. Let's begin by meeting Bill. Although he's a hypothetical patient, Bill represents a lot of patients I see in my everyday practice and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Bill is a 47-year-old computer programmer who spends the majority of his day sitting at his desk in his home office. He describes himself as sedentary since he doesn't get much exercise outside of his work hours. Most days, his diet consists of microwavable dinners or fast food, so he doesn't have very healthy eating habits either. We know that this kind of lifestyle can affect a person's health, and we can see this in Bill's medical history. Bill is obese, as indicated by his BMI of 31. He also has hypertension, dyslipidemia, impaired renal function, and diabetes. I also see a lot of patients like Bill in my practice. Listening to Bill's profile, his medical history, and his lifestyle are both concerns, as they have put him at risk for developing cardiovascular disease. Additionally, Bill already has impaired kidney function, and it's very likely that more damage to the kidneys may be occurring based on his comorbidities. So not only is Bill at risk for cardiovascular disease, but his kidney impairment could progress as well. That's a great point, Peter. Let's examine in more detail what we know about the CRM system so we can better understand what might be happening with Bill's health. We often think about the cardiovascular, renal, and metabolic systems as three separate entities. But to give our patients like Bill the best possible care, it is essential that we keep the interconnected nature of these systems top of mind. We know that the heart and the kidney are closely integrated in their functions, including maintaining volume homeostasis, blood pressure, and glucose levels. In order for any organ, including the heart and the kidney, to function properly, there is a need for proper energy metabolism, with glucose being one of the major contributors to energy. The connection between the three systems is also apparent in terms of glucose distribution. The liver and kidney both play a role in regulating glucose levels in the body, while the cardiovascular system, of course, helps to circulate glucose. It's fascinating that through this physiological connection, we can also see how these three systems may be pathologically impacted. In fact, dysfunction in one system can lead to dysfunction in the others. I often see patients like Bill who were diagnosed with diabetes many years ago and come to visit me with heart complications possibly arising from complications of diabetes. It's great that you bring that up, Peter. I agree. The interconnection of the CRM systems may explain the pathological impact that these systems have on each other. A really helpful way that we can think about this interconnection is through the cardiovascular and renal risk continuum. The continuum is initiated by cardiometabolic risk factors such as type 2 diabetes, hypertension, obesity, and dyslipidemia. 
Patients with these risk factors may eventually develop subclinical damage within the body, such as endothelial dysfunction, and continuous damage through the organs and vasculature increases the risk of developing cardiovascular and renal disease. The cardiovascular risk continuum conveys the progression of this subclinical damage into clinical manifestations of cardiovascular disease, such as coronary artery disease, myocardial infarction and stroke, among others. Without intervention, this could eventually lead to heart failure and cardiovascular death. Absolutely, and a similar pattern also occurs in the renal risk continuum. Following the introduction of these cardiometabolic risk factors at the beginning of the continuum, microalbuminuria may develop, indicating kidney damage. Similar to the cardiovascular risk continuum, the underlying damage caused by these risk factors can cause further progression of kidney impairment, such as a decreased EGFR and macroalbuminuria. Without intervention, this could ultimately lead to kidney failure or renal death. Exactly, Rachel. I think the real take-home message here is that this interconnection between the CRM systems is also present in the cardiovascular and renal risk continuum. Not only is it evident that cardiovascular and renal diseases share cardiometabolic risk factors, but these risk factors also cause a progression of disease that could ultimately lead to organ failure or even death. We'll talk more about how dysfunction in one system may perpetuate or induce dysfunction in the others, but first I think it's important to discuss the pathophysiology behind this. As we mentioned, shared risk factors contribute to the development and progression of disorders of the CRM systems. Risk factors like increased LDL and hypertension, diabetes, and smoking promote oxidative stress, causing endothelial dysfunction. This initiates a cascade of events within the body that not only promotes more oxidative stress, but also induces pathological vascular responses from the cells, such as vasoconstriction, thrombosis, inflammation, atherogenesis, and vascular remodeling. Yes, it's really an ongoing cycle of damage to the body and speaks to the previous point about how deeply these three systems are interconnected. Without control of these risk factors, the continuous stress may increase dysfunction within the CRM systems over time and promote disease development and progression. I agree. We know that the interconnection of the CRM system serves a physiological purpose. However, there are pathophysiological effects associated with this as well. To your earlier point, this interconnection could be the reason why dysfunction within one system may amplify or even initiate dysfunction in the others. Let's consider examples of how each CRM system can affect the others, starting with the cardiovascular system. Whether acute or chronic, cardiovascular dysfunctions cause changes such as increased arterial resistance and volume overload. These changes can also lead to hypoperfusion of other organs. That's a very important point, Rachel. And it's important to highlight that cardiovascular dysfunction may also impact the renal and metabolic systems. For example, hypoperfusion and vasoconstriction can cause hypertension, which may lead to a decline in renal function. Similarly, increased arterial resistance is a mechanism that can lead to insulin resistance and dyslipidemia. I see this in patients all the time. Many patients with cardiovascular dysfunction show some degree of insulin resistance and dyslipidemia in addition to a decline in renal function. In fact, renal dysfunction plays a part in the burden of cardiovascular and metabolic dysfunction as well. Impaired renal function can lead to a retention of sodium and water, activation of neurohormonal systems, and vascular calcification, which can greatly impact the cardiovascular and metabolic systems. 
For example, increased fluid retention and vascular calcification can stress the heart as it tries to maintain circulation, and this may lead to cardiac remodeling and decreased cardiovascular function. Also, with a decrease in renal glucose excretion, glucose within the body may rise to abnormal levels. To that note, dysfunction in the metabolic system can burden the cardiovascular and renal systems. Insulin resistance and hyperglycemia may accelerate atherosclerosis and promote atherogenesis, leading to dysfunction throughout the cardiovascular system. Excessive production of inflammatory adipokines may induce glomerular hyperfiltration. Additionally, increased activation of the sympathetic nervous system may trigger hormonal changes that promote hypertension, dyslipidemia, and cardiovascular dysfunction. Given the impact these systems have on each other, I think we understand that patients are especially at risk of compromising all three components of the CRM systems when they have any of these shared risk factors. In our clinical practices, it's common for us to see patients who have more than one risk factor, varying combinations of obesity, hypertension, dyslipidemia, and type 2 diabetes are frequently observed. These risk factors surely have an impact on a patient's health. Peter, would you like to share a bit more about this? I'd be happy to, Rachel. In order to get a better understanding of the compounded effect of risk factors, let's consider the inner heart study. In this study, risk factors such as smoking, history of hypertension or diabetes, waist-to-hip ratio, diet, and exercise were assessed to determine their relation to the risk of MI. More than 15,000 cases across 52 countries were analyzed and compared with controls. In the end, we see that the risk of experiencing MI was lowest among patients with only one risk factor, but increased in those who have clustered risk factors. This indicates an additive effect on the risk of cardiovascular events. Because these risk factors have a multiplicative effect on the risk of cardiovascular disease and events, it's important that we recognize and manage them in our patients. The management of cardiovascular risk factors in patients with type 2 diabetes like Bill, absolutely requires a multifaceted approach. It is reflected in the screening recommendations published by several organizations, including the American Diabetes Association. These guidelines typically include screening parameters for conditions such as diabetes, hypertension, and dyslipidemia. There are even lifestyle modification recommendations to manage obesity. These screenings should be conducted routinely to monitor for cardiovascular risk factors. These organizations also include treatment target recommendations that focus on reducing the risk of cardiovascular events in patients with type 2 diabetes, and they extend uh, beyond just achieving glycemic control. A combination of pharmacologic treatments as well as lifestyle modifications, as you mentioned, may facilitate the management of cardiovascular risk factors. I completely agree, Peter. With all of this in mind, let's review our patient Bill's medical history and lifestyle characteristics. He has multiple risk factors associated with disorders of the CRM systems, and we know that this can perpetuate or induce dysfunction within these systems. Bill has diabetes and impaired renal function. Given what we've discussed thus far, it's clear that he is at risk for developing additional disorders of the CRM systems. In the next podcast, we'll share some more about the coexistence of these disorders. Join us next time as we further discuss Bill's health and the impact of these coexisting disorders.